I loved my education. I thought it was wonderful. And I am so grateful for, for all of it because our world is so crazy right now. And I love having all the tools in my toolbox, especially the intellectual ones to navigate it. Because if you don't have that, it's, I mean, it's murky and messy. Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership podcast. I am so excited to have Father Michael Rubling with me today, who's an associate pastor. We're going to dive into the life, <laughs> the mind, the thinking, the journey <laughs> of an associate pastor <laughs> through the eyes of Father Michael. Father Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ron. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. One of the things that we're hoping to accomplish as we do what we're doing today is to you know perhaps give pastors some insight into some of the thoughts and and issues that associates are coming to the table with and working through and sometimes wrestling with and and maybe for associates some insight into you know maybe you'll hear some echoes of Father Michael's story in your own experience uh, which is always kind of interesting and then for late people our hope is that that you too will gain some insights into this season, this opportunity in associate's life to, to understand how you can support both prayerfully and, and temporally and, and really come around and also challenge these associates so that they continue to grow and feel supported in this season of their life. And then we're really excited to announce uh, something cool that's happening for associates in October, uh, associate roundtable that we're going to be launching. And so we'll tell you more about that as we get to that. So. Uh, maybe, Father Michael, I'd like to start by asking you, when it comes to your seminary formation, what did you come away with? What were you armed with as you were ready to tackle the world as a, as a newly ordained priest? Give me some insight into that. So I was uh, educated and formed over in Rome at the North American College, just to give you some insight into that. And I would say I came out with... <laughs> A, high, a very intense focus on the intellectual life, um, just a lot of studies. I took five years. I got a, a license in theology, so very, like hyper-focused on the intellect. But also the seminary gave me a lot of insight into a spiritual life and, you know, for example, the Ignatian exercises or those kind of things. Um, a desire. So I would say I was equipped to be a teacher. I was equipped to like run retreats, let's say, or to think about that. Um, and I would also say just a general, and this is, I say general, understanding of how to do the sacramental life. And I think as an associate, what I bring, what I brought in was, okay, you, you know how to celebrate mass validly, <laughs> you know, uh, reverently, you know, devoutly. You know how to hear confessions, but you still don't know necessarily what that's going to look like in practice. Mm -hmm. um, so that, I would say, is kind of what I brought in. But one thing I noticed when I entered into the parish and my I'm now six years in uh, as an associate is that it's almost I, the knowledge I like to use is, is like a it's like a hand and there's multiple levels to the human being and like 
my the the intellectual finger, <laughs> the uh, spiritual finger grew way faster than the others. Right. So I realized that I needed that there to be emotional maturity to take place, mm-hmm. relational maturity, uh, um, a a grounding in self-awareness and, and a certain human formation. I got those things, but I think the seminary gave me such a hyper focus on the intellectual and the spiritual life that mm. I needed a lot of work in my early days. And I still do on kind of other aspects of my life as a, as a man, as a Christian mm-hmm. and as, as a priest. So that's what I think what the seminary gave me kind of coming out. Thank you. Yeah, that's an interesting insight. And and that's not to downplay the value and the importance and the quality of that intellectual and spiritual formation, getting you ready for the sacraments, all necessary. Absolutely. One of the things I love in the work that I did with Alpha and is uh, I worked with a lot of people who worked for Alpha who were ordained pastors in other traditions, and they envied the training the theological formation and training of roman catholic priests they just like were in mm. awe of and 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 envious of, of formation that takes place within the roman catholic church and so that's again not to downplay any of that like totally awesome and yet just some recognition and acknowledgement on your part that not quite as as robust in areas that that are probably needed in terms of being a um an effective and fruitful priest in the parish. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. And I, I want to, I want to agree totally with you that I love my education. I thought it was wonderful and I am so grateful for, for all of it because there, our world is so crazy right now. And I love having all the tools in my toolbox, especially the intellectual ones to navigate it. Because if you don't have that, it's, I mean, it's murky and messy. Um, but, you know, it's interesting you brought up Alpha because when I got to my first assignment, they were running Alpha. And I would say, I would credit Alpha for a lot of the early transformation for me, where I remember sitting, in, I went through Alpha as a participant. I wore lay clothes. I didn't, and I just was there. Uh, and it was wonderful. And I remember having to just, in response to the the leaders kind of guiding me and through it you know someone's going to say something that's let's say heretical they're going to say something outlandish they're going to and you just let them talk mm-hmm. you don't need to step in and correct them it does this is not a theology lesson just be there in with them in the experience um, and it's through questions, it's through dialogue and conversation and connection that a change will happen. So it was a wonderful lesson for me in using kind of those intellectual gifts, mm-hmm. but also uh, being given new tools in a new environment to help me to change and grow and learn. And so mm-hmm. Alpha was just an amazing tool for me. And I, and I love just going through it as a participant and then coming back the next year as a helper and then the next year as a leader. Um, it was awesome. It was really awesome. Isn't that neat? That It's fun to hear you say that. I was just processing it in real time as you're sharing that with me. And, you know, to, to leave the academic world, which is what you are trained in, in terms of theology and in, in the seminary, and then to not 
disengage from that. It's like, no, take that intellect, that training, everything else, and put it in another setting in a different context. And then for you to be, for you to move from that teacher mode, which is the hardest thing in the world for so many people with alphas to not correct and allow conversation to happen, even if they're heretical. And I think that's what drives some lifelong Catholics crazy about the alpha experience is they really, they're not comfortable with people having opinions and perspectives and experiences that aren't consistent with straight down the middle truth and teaching. But but alpha is that journey of of being able to share an experience without being corrected or judged. And, and so that's neat that you were able to experience it that way, you know? Yeah. And put, yeah, that's, that's really, that's an interesting insight. Yeah. Thank you for that. And you're <laughs> welcome. And you're welcome. As you're saying that I'm thinking what a neat way to maybe make practical, you know, coming out of the seminary, with all of that uh, that academic learning environment where you are being graded and everything else on your on your marks on your presentations on, on on all that stuff and then applying it in a setting where actually you're making new disciples and yes. you know being in the midst of that messiness of thinking and the lack of formation and the lack of understanding and be comfortable with that knowing that that's a process first built on relationships and then slowly formed over time into people who, you know, are, their conscience are properly formed by the teachings of the church. I love it. Right, right. Yeah. And so one of the, cool. from that, it was just beautiful just to, to get into or sort of to begin to understand as a young priest what making new disciples is all about. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't even know that until getting into Alpha. It was not something we were taught in the seminary necessarily. Uh, they may hint at it, but to be on the ground watching people come f- go from a almost antagonistic searcher mode into, I want to offer my life to Jesus and come into the Catholic Church. And to see, like, I didn't need to correct everything and guide everything. I just let the Holy Spirit do his work. Mm-hmm. And I was able to step in sometimes with my intellectual gifts, but mostly it was the relational side that was the, the, the hook. And to watch that process has really changed my life. Wow. And what's that look like too, like coming from an environment where everybody else is also studying to be a priest to now collaborating with a bunch of lay people. What was that process like for you? Because you mentioned you came as a guest Mm -hmm. and then you were a helper and then you were a co-host or a a host. And so what was that process like for you, you know, being surrounded by other clergy the entire time or people striving to, to be a clergy to being the clergy surrounded by lay people? What was that like for you in terms of the team and things? Um. I loved it. It was great. I loved the team that I worked with. They were great. And I realized very quickly because of watching as a, just a guest that I didn't know, I didn't have all the answers that one of my, one of the clear insights I still have about coming out of the seminary is, you know, you're, I was, I had nine years of education, something like that, you know, wow. in the seminary. So a long time, Yeah. but the learning curve did not stop. Right. 
and so I looked at these lay people as they were still my teacher. They were my teachers and I had to learn from them, but they were I was learning different things. And they, I found them to be super welcoming to me and they wanted to collaborate. They wanted my insight and my leadership, but it wasn't, but it's in certain areas. And they knew that they were guiding me in how to make disciples, how to do this alpha process. Um, and so that was a great joy to enter into. And um, I found that I, I could provide for them uh, a lot of like, they they knew the principles of alpha and this kind of uh, guidance to a conversion moment. Yes. And I could step in with my intellectual gifts and be able to clarify for people via the teachings of the church and scriptures. Like this is what alpha is all about. This is what the foundation is. So they were just, they were delight to work with. I loved it. I loved every moment of it. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a neat, uh, again, in our, our pre-conversation, this didn't come out. We weren't thinking along these lines, but yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of neat how that unfolded. It's like, wow, that's really cool. I've never thought about it like that. And so coming out of the seminary, what was your perspective? Well, very well educated, but, 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 what were you what did you think you were bringing to the parish when you came out or what had you hoped to like what was the you know I, I remember let me back up a little bit i remember being trained in the pharmaceutical industry i studied so much on anatomy chemistry pharma, pharmaceutical you know pharmacological uh the competitors um, all the different systems of the body all the different language it was a lot to learn to study to take the tests. And then when I got out, then I went straight into training for the, the company I worked for and very specific in disease states and, and competitors within that very clear on what your product did and didn't do. And it was an incredible amount of study. And then I went into <laughs> your unleashed on your poor doctors with all this fresh information. <laughs> you know, I just thought, boy, I can't wait. And, you know, and oftentimes you would know more than a lot of the doctors because you focus on one area. They're so knowledgeable in so many things. You're, you're knowledgeable in a tiny little area. And so you, I would come across early with this zeal for the truth of what I knew and what I could bring and how I could form their thinking and how that would impact their patient care and outcomes. And, and there was a disconnect between what I thought they wanted to know and hear and what I felt I was bringing to the table. And it took me a while, which is normal looking back for new people mm -hmm. coming out of training to be almost, you know, there's what you're taught and then there's reality and there's what's in the middle is, is how you're going to be effective. Mm. If that's fair. And so yeah. there was almost a, a process of, learning by your mistakes and, and my zeal really not being well received at different times my and so that's what that's what a lot of pharmaceutical reps are coming out of training with and and then there's this season usually about a year anyway before they actually become useful um no disrespect to any pharmaceutical uh salespeople listening right now but uh but that seems to be the evolution of pharmaceutical salespeople out of training both yeah and so what was that like? So if that gives us some framework and perspective for this question, what was that like? What What's that experience like for you? The whole, like? whole idea of zeal 
it is something I can relate to. I have a ball of energy, very zealous for the Lord. And I, I, a part of it is the intellectual life. That's definitely what I thought that I was bringing in. And I thought that I was bringing in um, kind of liturgical reverence and clarity and those kind of skills and abilities and knowledge. Um, and, and this is, this is something that I, as you're talking about, you know, being the, the new pharmaceutical rep as a young priest, there's a, I recognize only later how much pride I brought into the ministry, especially when it comes to my pastor, because lay people are like, they just eat it up. Like you bring in this young perspective, this young man is, he has lots of knowledge and he's super passionate about the faith. And he is, wants to, he celebrates liturgy very, like he's trying to be very detail oriented about stuff. And generally the people love their priests. But I found that it was with my pastor that I brought in a lot of pride. And I didn't even know that it was there. It was this, I, the, and this attitude saying, I know how to do things right. I'm going to change this. Here are my ideas. I've been, I've been thinking about this all my years of seminary. I'm coming in wanting to offer and not really respecting the experience and knowledge of my pastor. Uh, and I'll say it's, it's always, it's not an extreme thing. Like I did have things to offer. Um, and I did have stuff that was valuable to the parish but it wasn't everything. And I real I realized there was so much, I was on kind of blinders of, of how much uh, pride and arrogance I was bringing in um, into my time as a priest. Wow. That takes, um, that probably takes combination of humility and hindsight and probably a dose of suffering. Is that fair? That is fair. That is yeah. fair. Yeah. Um, Those are some of the best lessons are often, uh, yeah, the best lessons are, are learned the hard way. And, and I'm mindful too of the pastors out there who have had associates and, and maybe there's some pastors in diocese who seem to get associates regularly. And they've probably, they probably recognize these patterns and that process within a new, a new graduate, a new newly ordained priest, and you know, I'm sure some have gotten better at at communicating and being intentional, and 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 than others. I'm sure for some that must be challenging and 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 hard and difficult. Where for others maybe they found a way to to do that well. I don't know. What are what are your thoughts? I, from my, I've got a couple. You know, three three pastors um and each one handled me a little differently and i think some well all have their patterns of you know decades worth of ministry and they they want the associate they want the help of the associate there's a desire there for some kind of relationship Mm. But there is often, I find, a, a confusion in like knowing how to handle 
us. I say us because like I've seen it also in my my other brothers. Right. Uh, like I have all this zeal, but sometimes it can be like, please put the zeal in this box. <laughs> you know, right. do it Keep here. Keep it away from me. Keep it away from me. Others want to just let it like blossom out and and it just depends it depends and i i found that one of my pastors in particular wanted he was really struggling and i i, I appreciate it now looking back he realized even more than i did that there was a generational gap that like we as associates are trained a certain way you know the seminary formation is has a, kind of those things i was describing of the intellectual life and the spiritual life ignition exercises whatever um, a certain idealism, a certain passion and zeal. And his generation of priests were trained differently. It mm. was still four years of theology with some philosophy before that, but perhaps the liturgy wasn't as precise or perhaps the theology, the certain emphasis on theology wasn't the same. And so trying to bridge those two worlds was very hard. And I could tell there was this struggle in him, again, looking back, because I didn't see it fully of like, how do we make this relationship work? Um, and yet, again, looking back, there were some things that uh, that he wasn't even aware of, even in being aware that there was a generational gap, that we're just not seeing eye to eye. And we're not, we didn't have as many conversations, perhaps, as we needed to to be able to clarify like here is where i'm coming from and father where are you coming from and this back and forth and mm. um so i would say that i would say that uh with there's different pastors approach associates differently and um it usually comes there's usually some kind of generational difference which is neither good nor bad necessarily it's just reality and right. I think one of the biggest things that the biggest things that helped me was communication was honest, vulnerable communication. Like, where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> let's, let's talk. <laughs> and having that honest conversation where we can both be vulnerable can be tricky sometimes because it does take two to tango. I remember just this summer I was at a friend's house and, I often have porridge for breakfast. And so I grew up making pouring the porridge into a pot. And and my friend's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? What am I doing? Like, why don't you make it in the microwave? I'm like, microwave? <laughs> They've only been out 30 years. Can you trust those? Or <laughs> so, but I just said, I just even didn't even know you could make porridge in the microwave. And so, but it was funny. Just, it just, it was just, so small so weird so funny so different so insignificant in so many ways but i think there can be a lot of those little examples and to your point it's not like there's one way to make porridge well there's not there's not one way to make a priest uh, i'm guessing even if you go to a different seminary it's probably seminaries have different feels to them and so you know for those lay people that are listening you know it's like yeah there there are there are a lot of variables that's one of the beautiful things about the catholic church i think but it's um but then put that into the context of the training of the other pastor not to mention the age difference and then the, the cultural differences in terms of this generational gap you're also talking about the formational subtleties that can cause issues and and there is a power imbalance between an associate and a and a pastor and 
and I wonder if that's always appreciated and respected, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of those conversations, right? Right. Because if somebody feels disrespected as a pastor, that's probably not going to go well from there. Yeah. Right. Pride right. and arrogance can do a lot of damage and, and, and there is a power imbalance. And so that yeah. can rear its head in ways that probably cause hurt and pain. And again, yeah. that's not to say that always happens. It doesn't, but it can happen worth. It has to be navigated. Well, right. So you were talking about, you mentioned the word trust. And I, as you're talking, I'm kind of reflecting back on my experience. And I will say that coming out of the seminary, I, I'm idealistic. I have a lot of ideas, but I'm also sensitive. That's what I, another thing I brought in. And I realized that my, my pastor, my, one of my first pastors liked to tease a lot. And there was this visceral protection response from me. Right. Like, I'm not, I don't want to share with you things that could be used against me. Mm. And this, like, again, kind of a generational gap, but also personality gap, which I didn't appreciate at first, that this other mm. guy's coming at it, like his way of affection is uh, teasing and this banter that may even yes. come into the, you know, I don't think sometimes appropriately into the public forum. Right. Um, but for me, I was so sensitive that uh, I, it was hard for me to be vulnerable. It's hard to enter those conversations of vulnerability because I was like, I don't really want this. Um, and I don't know if other guys have had that experience, but I know that was mine of this, the sensitivity that I had on the one hand, I probably needed to grow a thicker skin, which I have over the years. Um, but on the other try, I remember years after a couple of years of this telling my pastor, like, I would appreciate it if there was some more sense, there was some sensitivity in your part for mm -hmm. dealing with me and that back and forth. But I just remember that trust took a little bit while to build up. Right. And wouldn't that be cool if as pastors and associates, we could have those formative conversations earlier so that it didn't take a couple of years of kind of distancing ourselves and protecting ourselves and finding ways of avoiding. So, right. Like how can we, how can we, how can we intentionally make the time to form well so that when things do come up and they always, well, we can solve them quickly and get back to performing versus harboring hurts and causing distances, kind of disengaging, hoping it will go away avoiding the conversations in which case it it only grows and festers which that's common in every sphere of life <laughs> in marital relationships and business relationships in the church and ministry all of those become uh, they're just part of being human and so how can how can associates and pastors have really interesting conversations early to understand differences before problems arise because it's always easier to deal with problems before they arise because after they arise you realize how many assumptions you've made yeah <laughs> and then that conversation becomes difficult to have yeah yeah mm -hmm. absolutely That's um it. yeah so what what are your thoughts looking back and and again i really appreciate too your honesty and 
and self-reflection in terms of how you came out, what you were working on, what formed you, what was difficult for you, some of the things you maybe had to wrestle with. But what are some things looking back that that you would say you've grown in? How have you grown as a, as a priest, as a as a man, as a as a baptized Christian during these last six years as an associate? Oh, in so many ways. Um, I'd say a big one to go to that whole idea of, of vulnerability, that understanding there's a strength in vulnerability and to grow in courage, to be able to, to speak my mind, to, um, to be able to enter in those conversations that are a little bit more difficult and, and say difficult things and also receive difficult news and criticism and I uh, was so sensitive early on to any sort of criticism, especially from authority figures, to grow and like, no, this is for my good. This is for my building up. Um, I would say I had to grow and I have grown a lot in uh, um, uh, in boundaries and understanding that I like need to uh, like as I come in as a young priest, I'm full of zeal and vigor and I want to go save the world. And literally like I, that comes out of my mouth, just save the world and realizing that I am not the savior and I can't save everybody. And, and that I need to put up boundaries and say, you know what? Like, like I can see a lot of problems in people's lives. And as a young priest, you just, as a priest in general, you see just the issues of the world and you kind of have to let those sit. And it was hard for me not to intervene and learning to put that in God's hands to say, you know, that's not my responsibility right now. Um, I can do what I can do in, in you know, safe and, and environments and, you know, organized structures, but just let things set. People need to work through their work through their issues with the Lord, not with me necessarily. And that was hard for me to learn, but I have learned a lot from that. Um, and the need that I, uh, I tend to overwork. I'm so excited about working that I tend to overwork. And so I've learned the value of rest, of relaxation, of, um, silence. And it's, I would say distinguished to like silence and reflection and prayer because they are, they overlap, but they're not the same thing. Wow. And to be able to have that that time with the Lord where I just am intimate with him and, and we're just together every day, but also take time every day just to reflect, like, how am I doing? Do I, am I so go, go, go that I don't actually take time to reflect on what's going on inside of me? Um, what's my, you know, how am I responding to my pastor? How am I responding to parishioners? How am I, am I tired? Am I angry am i sad i I would be so i would moving so much that i'm not even aware of what's going on and that uh so that i would say the bit one of the big insights is that Mm. kind of trickling from my need for rest and self my need for rest and just to put the brakes on has led to a whole lot of insights in a lot of other areas yes so that's wow. kind of, that's a snapshot, maybe quick snapshot of kind of a lot of ways that I've grown over the years. 
That sounds like a wonderful recipe for wisdom, really. Um, you know, to slow down, to reflect, to listen. That's that's so cool. I literally in my prayer this morning was saying the same thing. I'm noticing some sensitivities in myself in this last week and not handling things the way I would like to or normally do, or at least think I don't normally do. And 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 just realizing in prayer, like there's something going on. And why am I the last to know? Like I'm it's like I have a log in my eye. And oh, uh I heard and someone so talk about that really, one time. <laughs> <laughs> that should be in scripture somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just recognizing like, Lord, I need your help because something's off. I can't quite put my finger on it, but I know where to go. And that's you. And and just inviting, just praying more in the Holy Spirit and surrendering even deeper, knowing that there's a mystery going on in me. And I'm not quite sure where it is. You know, Sometimes mm -hmm. you're wondering, is it a spiritual attack? Is this because I'm not getting enough rest and working too hard. Like what, what's at work here? But just that sensitivity that comes from self-awareness. And yeah. the, if that's not followed up by the silence and the listening, as well as the prayer, then I can right. just bury it and just grind it out. And that's dangerous. That puts talking me in a spiritually dangerous place, yeah. I was talking with a, uh, on that note, I was talking with a priest friend of mine recently, and we were commenting on our early years of priesthood and that um, one of the things that we, again, brought in with, came in with, was this, the overwork is a desire for affirmation and identity. Mm. That we weren't, both of us weren't settled in just being. Mm. Our identity, our goodness needed to be achieved i'm using my words precisely need to be achieved through doing mm. so you know let me run this ministry let me do this awesome homily let me you know and please yeah. praise me please tell me that i'm good instead of that like i can be good in stillness i can be good in making mistakes i can be good in weakness like man that took a long time <laughs> I'm still learning it. I don't know if I'll ever fully get out of that, but man, it took a long time. <laughs> That's so beautiful. It, identity really is the 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 seat of of sustainable fruitfulness. You know, what is our identity? In fact, maybe I'll just pivot for a second because one of the things I'm in the process of doing is, is putting together a course for, you know, dioceses that are interested to, 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 um, but there are newly ordained priests or people are still associates through. And, and I'm going to look at five things through this course. Identity is the first one. Who do you think you are? <laughs> What's it mean? What's it mean to be a priest to you? Like, who, who do you yeah. think you are? What do you think that means? And so spend some time on that. And the next thing we'll look at is how have you been hardwired? Like, what are your strengths? Uh, what, where are your superpowers? Do you know what they are? Can you articulate them? And, and, uh, and what are those things at the bottom <laughs> that you're not good at, that you're probably never going to be good at? And then the third one is take a look at your charisms. What are your ministry charisms? Where are you naturally hardwired to focus where you'll get your energy and have your impact? Mm. And then to take a look at owning this season of your growth as an associate, like really 
setting goals for yourself, even if you're in a tricky uh, posting, like I mean, this season, this posting that you're at now might be a difficult one. That's okay. It doesn't mean you can't learn. And sometimes I, I've seen associates kind of check out, play safe, um, and just try to keep their head down and stay out of their way and miss this season to be more intentional about growth, even though it's difficult. Now, thankfully, that's not everybody's experience. A lot of people have great experiences, and that's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, and yet, there are times when it's not so it's not so simple, and and to take ownership of that, and then finally, to refine, or even in some cases, I guess, hit the reset with you and your pastor, so that you can make the most of the rest of that assignment. And so, those are the those are the five courses that are that I'm the course and the five topics that I'm in the process of putting together for for diocese to put their young priests through. And then I want to invite everybody to join us for an associate priest roundtable. We're going to have it once a month, the third Wednesday of every month. Uh, it's going to be Atlantic Standard Time. That's my time here on the on the Atlantic Ocean in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, I believe it's at five, between five and six. But if you go out to ronhuntley.com, You'll be able to sign up for that once I go to events. You'll be able to sign up for that. It is only for associate priests. It's not for associate priests and their pastor. It's not for associate priests who've just been made administrators. It's not for seminarians. It's only for associate priests. And so if you're an associate priest and you'd like to join us for that roundtable, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk into a particular theme for a very short period of time. We're going to break people up into small groups and we're going to come back, talk about it. Uh, spend some time in questions and answers. And we're really hoping that this will be an opportunity to speak into the, some of the things that you're excited about, some of the things that you might be struggling with to help equip you to be amazing when you get to that big chair, when you sit in the big seat. Because the truth is so many of us think that when we get to that next level of influence and impact, we're going to do a better job. And I'm sure you will. And I hope you have that disposition and attitude. However, if you check out during this season of learning and play it safe, it's going to take you another 10 years after you're in that seat, if you're lucky, to be as impactful and fruitful as you think you're going to be, because it's always harder than you think it is. And mm-hmm. so if we can help, if I can help with my experience of coaching um, for the number of years I've been coaching in different parts, if I can help you be intentional and wrestle with issues so that you can make the most of this season. And we can do this together in a conversation, no charge for it. Just come and, and experience it. And, and uh, but anyway, if that's going to be helpful to people, Michael, do you think that's going to be uh, going to fit the bill? Do you think that will be worth associates attending and checking out? Absolutely. I think as you were talking about the whole thing and reflecting on it, just, a simple fact to be able to gather together as fellow associates to be heard and seen to know that our our triumphs and our challenges are shared that in of itself is huge and to be given insights and have the intentionality to work on things and to be lifted up and encouraged and um I think that it's enormous. And I, looking back, I wish I had had that really. Mm -hmm. I wish I could have had a place to go where I could have shared and been vulnerable and then not to stay in that negative place um, and to come out and to be affirmed in my gifts and my strengths and say like, no, the Holy Spirit's doing stuff. Let's go. So I think it's going to be great. 
Well, that's awesome. Well, as a as a leadership coach in the Catholic Church, I can never let people stay there too long. I'm a bit of a butt kicker. And so uh, it'll be really fun to listen and to learn and to grow and to grow in friendships with each other. I can't wait for that. And I will always be calling folks to to find that next gear of impact because I just find being a priest is the coolest vocation ever. And so if I can help you guys be amazed, I think... I think my call in life is to make people great. And I think the best way to make people great is to bless the daylights out of priests so that parishes can be unbelievably fruitful because mm. Jesus came to make us great. You know, he came that you might have life and have it to the full. And I think the local parish is anybody's best chance. It should be everybody's best chance to live a life worth living. And so when we work together to to not lose that hope, to not lose that vision of what's possible if, if churches are really, really healthy and and fruitful, then man, we can impact a pile of lives. And that's where I think your vocation as a priest is so exciting. <laughs> like it really is amazing that you get to bring Jesus to people and bring out the best in them. It's awesome. Yeah. And thank you, Ron, for encouraging us as associates and offering this opportunity um, because to have a coach to have somebody behind us and uh, just priests in general but especially pastors and associates it's just a great gift so thank you appreciate it very much you're welcome it truly is my pleasure and i'm excited about it so thank you everybody for joining us today i enjoyed this conversation a ton thank you father michael for thank you for your your generosity of spirit uh, and thank you for for listening. Please, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that thumbs up button. That would be much appreciated. Please think about subscribing, sharing it with your friends, commenting, asking questions. And if you are an associate priest, uh, I'd invite you to go to ronhuntley.com and, and sign up under events. Join us for a roundtable. Check it out. See if it's something that's going to be a blessing to you. Invite your associate priest, classmate, friends. Uh, and if you're a bishop or, or somebody working in the diocese and you're thinking, holy smokes, this would be a really excellent tool for us, then why don't you uh, reach out, just hit the connect button, and we'll have a conversation to see if that course that I'm going to put together might make sense for your diocese to bring more support uh, for your newly ordained priests. That would be wonderful. God bless you all, and thank you for listening. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are.